Well, last week we talked about how Jesus addressed the proper posture of prayer. And we were in Matthew chapter 6. And, and what we were looking at last week were, were these verses leading up to probably the most familiar part of Matthew chapter 6 for us, this model of prayer that Jesus gives us, what we, we typically call the Lord's Prayer. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn over to Matthew chapter 6 again, because we're going we're gonna to continue in that text this morning. But I want to just review a little bit and recap what Jesus said was the, the proper posture for praying before he gives us this, this Lord's Prayer that we'll look at today. So in this, in this text from last week, we talked about how, first of all, the, the very first thing to recognize is that Jesus expects all of his people to pray. Right? It doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter how many years it's been since our conversion. It doesn't matter if we have a position or no position within uh, church leadership formally. But Jesus expects every single one of us, every single person who says they are a follower of him, to pray. So the instructions that are given here and this, this model for prayer is given to, to every single one of us just the same. Right? He says, when you pray, and you should read that as when I pray. Pray. Here's what I need to do, right? And then second, we unpacked how this is, this is good news for, for us, and this is really should be freeing for us. It's that God is not impressed by or looking for showy externals in prayer. Right? So, so you may feel like, oh man, you know, I, I, I've, I've been around some people that seem to really just kind of get it in prayer, you know, like they're, they're so articulate or they can, they can pray for so, so long and I don't have that long of, a, of an attention span. My focus drifts and, and sometimes I forget exactly what I want to say, but, but you know, I, I can't compare to those other people. Here's the good news. Here's what's freeing about this is God's not looking for that from you. It doesn't impress him. Someone who's really articulate, really able to, to pray for a long period of time, that's great. If that's genuine in their heart, wonderful. But if they're just doing that to put on a show, right, God says, not only am I not looking for that, like if it's showy, I don't even want it. Don't pray that way. That's what Jesus says, right? He, he doesn't want us to pray really loud because we think if we're louder, we'll get his attention. He doesn't want us to pray by making a scene in front of other people because we think that then God will pay attention. We, he doesn't say repeat empty phrases or go for a really long time. None of that will impress God if it's done just for show, right? Third, we, we saw last week, Jesus sets up prayer in the context of an intimate interaction. That is, prayer happens in this profoundly personal relationship with God as our heavenly Father, right? I mean, God, he's, he's not just the Almighty One. He's not just the creator of all things, the holy and righteous being. He, he is all those things. But Jesus says when we pray, we don't just have to come to him as, he, if he's, as if he is very distant from us and very removed from us. We get to come to him as our Father, right? As a child comes to a Father, and then finally, we ended last week with this really important point. After all those things about how to properly posture ourselves for prayer, then Jesus goes on to give us this model for prayer. But it is a model for prayer, not mere repetition, right? That's where we ended last week. I concluded by saying, listen, Jesus is not giving you, in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, he's not giving you 52 English words or 57 Greek, Koine Greek words, if you want to go that way, so that you would just memorize those and then repeat them and say, great, all right, I'm done with prayer. Right? This is not what this is. This is a model to guide and shape and influence how we pray in our own words so that it's genuine and honoring to God. Right? So with all that in mind, today we're going to turn to this model of prayer, this example of how to pray, and we're going to learn a lesson from the Lord's Prayer, a lesson from 
the Lord's Prayer. Let's look at this verse. If you're there in Matthew chapter 6, we'll pick it up in verse 9 this morning. Jesus is speaking and says, Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, if you look at, at this prayer right here, it's given, and you just kind of, especially if you can see it in front of you, you can see it's kind of broken out into two main sections, right? Like you, you kind of notice this. The first part is this address and the focus being put really up on God, right? There's three petitions, three requests made at the start of this about God, about who he is. And then the second part is kind of where the, the personal nature comes in. We make some personal petitions, expressions of our own personal need in the second part, the last three petitions, last three requests made of God. Here's, here's the way I would like you to think about the Lord's Prayer. If I could kind of summarize this distinction, this breakdown of it, it'd be this. The Lord's Prayer begins with the eternal and moves to the everyday. Right? Can, can you kind of see that? It starts with this big focus on God and these kind of big eternal things, and then it, it moves down into this, like, like literally the everyday. Give me this daily bread, like the, the food I need for today, right? It doesn't get more everyday than that. And I think this structure in Jesus' prayer, this model for us, is really important for us to understand because, again, if we're honest about evaluating ourselves and we reflect on our own lives and our own spiritual pursuits, we would recognize this is not typically how we tend to organize our prayers, this beginning with the eternal and then moving to the everyday, right? Often what we do in our prayers is we spend a lot of time on the everyday needs, the concerns, the cares, the worries, all that kind of stuff, right? And we spend so much time there that suddenly we realize, like, I got other things I got to do, right? <laughs> and then we go and do those. And we don't put the proper priority, I think, on the eternal. So I think this is particularly true of many of us when we're praying spontaneously, meaning when, when you don't sit down and have a, a prayer list in front of you or some kind of guide in front of you. If you just were, were getting ready to pray or you're going to pray just spontaneously in a moment, you probably jump right into whatever it is that you feel prompted in that moment to pray about, right? So, so maybe there's a quick uh, address, maybe a quick thank you, and then right into the need, right? How many of you, if you're honest about your prayers, especially spontaneous prayers, would go, yeah, it sounds something like this. Father, or, or maybe Lord, hey, thank you for this day and for hearing my prayer. God, please help me with, and then you, you know, go into that thing. Or, or you know, or please be with so-and-so who I just was thinking about. Or God, thanks for hearing my prayer. You know, I'm really struggling with this. Would you come and help me with, with this? Or, or God, Jesus, please, please heal so-and-so, right? We, we tend to get right into the need, and, and we bring that to God because, because hopefully, rightly, what we understand is he can do that. He, can hear, he will hear our request, and he can work in a great way. And so, so we just feel a freedom to come and bring those things to him. That, that hopefully is what you are doing. Hopefully you realize, as we talked about even last week, there's nothing too big, there's nothing too small, there's nothing too routine, there's nothing too common. Literally everything, every everyday concern that you may have in your life, you can bring to God in prayer. And in fact, you should. 
If you jump down into this model prayer here, if we, if we go to the second part of it to, to start, you see Jesus includes these everyday matters in verses 11 through 13. He tells us, pray for our daily bread. He tells us, pray for the forgiveness of our sins. That's forgive our debts. And pray that God would guide and lead and keep us from temptation and evil. Like this is what Jesus says, you should be praying for your everyday needs every day. You should pray this way. Pray for these things. This is an awesome privilege. It really, truly is that you and I can bring such small things, such very personal things. I mean, forgive me. I'm just one person out of billions on the planet, right? Lead me and guide me. I mean, you're God Almighty who's holding the whole universe together, guiding the planets in their orbits. You're keeping everything sustained, but I'm asking you for me. Guide me in my little life here and the little things I'm about to do, right? This is incredibly personal, incredibly practical, and incredible gift that God gives us to be able to pray like this. He invites us to do this, and he invites us to do this, as we said at the beginning of the prayer in verse 9 there, because we get to pray to God, not just as the Almighty, not just as the one holding all things together, but as our Father, right? We get to approach and address God as our Father. And I always want to to try and make you understand this. When we talk about God as our Father, The Bible paints a picture of God as a father who is infinitely better than your father. So so maybe you had a great dad. You know, he was he was a good man, he was godly, he he led well, he he loved you, you knew that, and and you're thinking, man, okay, you know, so God's like my dad. Listen, God is like your dad, but infinitely better. Because the greatest dads among us, man, we're we're still messed up and sinful and we fall short. But not God, he's perfect. And so that's really good news then, too, if you're on the other side of the spectrum and you're thinking, you know what, I, my dad really wasn't all that great. I, didn't, I, I wasn't blessed with that kind of guy. My dad, was, he was a little bit neglectful of me. He was pretty disconnected from me. Maybe, maybe you looked at your dad and you said, my dad was a, was a pretty big hypocrite. Maybe you even have the story. My dad, my dad was kind of unloving to me, maybe even abusive towards me. Hear, hear this. God is infinitely better than that dad. He has none of the hang-ups that dads on this earth have. He is perfect in his care and his kindness and his mercy and his grace and his love. So whether you have a great dad or whether you had an awful dad, when we talk about God as our father, we're talking about a perfect father. A perfect father. It's astounding that we get to relate to him that way. It's astounding that we would get to be called children of of God. And yet, this is what the Bible tells us is true of us. The Apostle John says in John chapter 1, verses 12 to 13, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, Jesus gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. This is, this is John saying, listen, if you're a Christian, if you believe in Jesus, and you trust in Jesus, then he gives to you the right of being a child of God Almighty. What a gift that is. What a privilege that is, right? This is why Jesus teaches us to pray about the everyday needs, because we're praying to a Father who cares for us. Because God is our Father, we can ask Him to provide everything for us. That's that's right and good to do. All of our daily needs are things we can and should ask our Father to give us. So, So you should be and let me, let, me, let me encourage you, if you're not, to begin doing this. You should be praying for everyday needs in your life. There's nothing too big. There's nothing too small. 
You should pray things like, God, thank you for this job that you have given me or given my spouse or given my parent that enables me to have the things I do. You should thank God for that. We think of a job as, as an everyday thing. It's just, you know, it's there. No, that's something God has provided for you. Thank him for it. You should pray, Lord, please continue to provide for my family. Thank you for the clothing that you've given us. We pray you would continue to, to give us those things. Thank you for the food that you have given us. Thank you for the blessing of the, the home that we are able to be in. You can pray, Lord, please heal me when I'm sick. And you don't have to save that prayer for when it's a big, scary sickness. You can pray that prayer when you have a cough and a cold. <laughs> and you can pray, Lord, please keep me healthy when I'm feeling well. You know, one of the things I get to do as, as a pastor is I'll go and visit people in a hospital, Right? Someone gets sick, and, and if they, they want someone to, to come and, and pray with them and, and spend time with them, I'll, I'll gladly go and do that. And you know what I pray as I'm walking into that hospital? Lord, please protect me. <laughs> right? I, I mean, they're sick. They obviously have something. I could get that. So, Lord, would you protect me? Keep me well? We should pray that way. We should pray, Lord, would you give me strength? Would you give me wisdom for this day? Every day we should pray that prayer. You can pray, Lord, would you help me rest tonight? <laughs> We take sleep for granted. Most of us, you know, say, oh, okay, I'm going to sleep. You know, like I'm going to sleep. And it's not always a given. I'm getting to that age where if I sleep wrong, I wake up in pain too, you know? And I'm like, so now I'm like, Lord, help me rest through the night and not wake up with, you know, neck pain or whatever, you know? You can pray, Jesus, help me with this test or this assignment I have at school. Lord, help me with these things I have to do at work. God, please guide this conversation, even this one that I'm in right now. Help me know what to say to this person that I'm talking to. Like, you can pray for those kind of small, little, everyday things in your life. Why? Because he's your father who cares about all that kind of stuff in your life. He sees you there. He knows all of your needs, even the most basic and mundane things, and he cares enough to hear those prayers and provide for you in those moments. That's incredible. Now, here in the next two things, though, Jesus, Jesus prays about some spiritual things that kind of get beyond the material and beyond the, the, the tangible things that, that we're like, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. All those things you're just talking about, I get that. But Jesus also says, you need to be careful, I need to be careful to pray about my own spiritual needs each day as well, right? He tells us first, pray for the daily bread, right? And then he says to also pray for the forgiveness of our sins, right? That our debts towards God would be forgiven and that God would guide and lead and keep us from temptation and evil. Those are more than just physical needs. Those are spiritual needs. And Jesus says you should be regularly, daily even, praying for these things. Like our prayers should at some point include, God, forgive me of my sins. When I was little, I thought I was really smart and I was, you know, figuring out efficiencies and I'm like, oh, I'll just, I can just blanket that, right? Like, God, please forgive me for all my sins. Good, covered. <laughs> now, can you pray that way and can God forgive you? Yeah, okay. But, you know, God actually invites you because of this personal relationship and this personal knowledge he has of you. He actually gives you the freedom and actually encourages you and wants you to be specific. So, God, please forgive me of my sins, specifically, Lord, <laughs> when I was unjustly angry today when I was acting selfishly, when I gave in to this temptation, and so on and so forth, right? We should be very specific. We can be very specific in our confession and our prayers for forgiveness. He already knows them all. And as we identify them and as we pray specifically for them, he works in our hearts to help change us and grow us past those things. You're not going to get a lot of spiritual growth if every day your prayer is just, oh, forgive me for all my sins, whatever I did wrong, I don't know what they are. You know, just forgive me and move on. When we're clear to identify, Lord, please forgive me with becoming angry today when I shouldn't have been angry. 
that is the opportunity then for God to begin to work on that issue of anger that's in us. The more we pray about that, the more God works in that thing specifically. We can pray daily, Lord, please help me and guide me and lead me and protect me from falling again into temptation and evil. You don't have to just make a mistake and then ask for forgiveness. You can actually pray, God, help lead me away from those things. Protect me from those things. Keep me from stumbling again in those things. So when I get angry, I pray, Lord, please forgive me for the unjust anger that was in my heart. And Lord, please keep me from doing that again. Lead me from temptation and evil. We need to pray that way every day. Because, listen, you and I, we live in a real fallen world. And no matter how safe and nice and blessed we think we are to live in this community, and it's wonderful, the reality is even where we live right here, this is part of a world that is pressing in against you. This world is not for you. There are temptations that will come to you every single day. There is evil pressing in, trying to get your attention, trying to captivate you, trying to lead you away from God and living in a manner that would glorify him. That's true of every day that we breathe and live in this world. And so every day we need to pray, God, lead me, guide me, protect me, deliver me. That should be our prayer every single day until we reach glory and the freedom that is there. You and I live in a war zone in this world. And if you're in a war zone and you know there's real threats around you, I guarantee you your prayer life becomes a lot more focused (laughs) than when you think, I'm living on vacation. I got no worries, man. (laughs) So Jesus is telling us, you get to pray for everyday matters. You can be open and genuine and specific with God because he's a loving father who sees you and knows you and cares for you and loves you. And that is an incredible blessing to get to pray this way. And I don't want to undermine it in any way. I don't want to downplay it at all. But I want us to see this this morning. In this model prayer, Jesus gives us an example, a model for how to pray that stretches much farther than the material and is much broader than just our immediate needs and concerns, right? So everything up till now is my introduction to the main point today. (laughs) We're not going to be long, I promise. There's just a main lesson a challenge, I think, that, that's going to press in on, on, on all of us in this room. Some of us, we needed that beginning. We needed to know, man, that's how I really should pray. I can bring God anything and everything and all these needs. And that's the encouragement you need today. And, and some of you, that's where we are, right, in this room. But I guarantee all of us in this room need to be challenged by this main lesson to pull from the Lord's Prayer today. Here it is. Prioritize praying for the eternal. I think this is really what Jesus is getting at here. What he's really trying to press home on the listeners who are there hearing him this day. Because look at how he even starts this address, right? Go back to verse 9 again. He says, hey, God, you get to pray to him as our Father. But he doesn't leave it there. He says, as our Father who is in heaven, right? He's reminding you from the jump. God is the one who sits enthroned in majestic splendor. God is the one who has all power and all might and all glory and all goodness, all without measure, all without limit. That's who we're talking to. It's not just dad. It's our father who is in heaven. The one who the angels bow down to. The one who controls the spinning of planets and the brightness of every star. The one who, by whom and for whom all things were created. The one who sustains the existence of everything like the pews are holding together. You have breath and the blood's flowing through your body and the, the planet isn't spinning off into space all because God holds it in place. This is the one we're praying to when we say our Father in heaven. And it's when you and I have this right and clear picture of the bigness, 
the grandeur of God that we learn to begin to prioritize praying for the things that Jesus puts first in this model of prayer. Look at his words again. He teaches us to pray that God's name would be hallowed, that God's kingdom would expand and grow, and that God's will would be done. These things need to become the priority in our prayers daily, and that's a challenge for most of us. It is not natural for how most of us think about and approach prayer. So what does it mean to pray in this way? How can we learn to pray this way? How can these, even these three model petitions shape our prayers in our own lives? Well, to do that, we need to just quickly understand each of these three parts, and I want us to do that this morning. What does it mean, first of all, this first petition that's made in this prayer, that God's name would be hallowed? That's not a word you use every day, I'm pretty sure. So let's start with this. The word, despite being pretty rare in our vocabulary, even rare in biblical vocabulary, it only shows up two times in the Greek, and it's in this text and the correlated text in Luke. It shows up only twice, but it has a very clear meaning. For something to be hallowed is for something to be made holy or sanctified or reverenced. So if we were to take that into words that you and I do use every day, concepts that we do grasp onto every day, it would sound like, if I was to to pray along this prayer, God, May your name be hallowed. If I were to put that in my own words, in my own prayer, here's what it would sound like. God, would you make your name be seen as holy, to be honored, to be reverenced and treasured by your creation? Would you make it so that we, and and I would pray, start with me right now in this moment, God, make it so that we would rightly and truly honor and worship you as we were created to do. That's what it means to pray, God, hallowed be your name. He's teaching us to pray for a right and proper view of who God is, that your perspective of who God is would be, would be connected to who he really is. That you wouldn't think of God as just some abstract concept, a higher power that's out there. Or that worse and more dangerously, you wouldn't think of God as just a, a bigger, more powerful version of you who has all your preferences and thoughts on every matter, right? Like That's not who he is. He's God in heaven who has revealed himself very clearly in his word, the scripture. And so this prayer would be, God, help me to see you for who you are. Help me have a sincere understanding of who you are, an accurate view of who you are, so that I can honor and reverence and worship you rightly. And we should pray that prayer, not just for ourselves, but for all creation, for everyone around us to have that right view. Essentially, we should be praying, God, we ask that you would reveal yourself to all your creation. Make yourself known to us that all may worship in awe of seeing and knowing who you are. Maybe you can understand the word hallow better by understanding the, the opposite of it. To, to fail to hallow something is to profane something. Now there's a word we're more familiar with, profanity, right? That's to think lightly or to minimize or to fail to honor or to treat with contempt something or someone. And that's what humanity does all the time towards God. What we do all the time towards God when we're not intentional, when we're not careful to think of God and to approach God as he truly is. It's blasphemous to think God shares all your opinions and all your thoughts. He's not a bigger version of you. So again, this example of praying this in my own words would be praying, God, help me to honor and love and worship you as I should. Help me to live with you at the center of my life, knowing you for who you really are. That's what it means to pray this way that Jesus modeled for us in this first petition of the Lord's Prayer. Now, the second petition, the second petition is this, that we would pray for God's kingdom to come. 
And this is a little easier for us to grasp, but how can we pray for that in our own words? Well, we understand this one better, right? The term kingdom's pretty easy to understand. It means a place and a people that are ruled over by a king, right? That's what a kingdom is. So what we're praying here is, is kind of in line with, maybe flowing from the first one that we would rightly know who God is, but, but here we're praying specifically that, that God would be seen and recognized and obeyed and submitted to as the king. That his kingdom would begin to expand around us and be experienced around us so that, that you and I, what we're praying for is that, that this world and our lives, which are filled with chaos and darkness and rebellion and sin, we'd be conquered by the king, Jesus, and brought into submission and obedience to him. That life would begin to look not like the life looks all around us in this world, but life would begin to look like the kingdom of God among us. That righteousness, peace, and joy would be seen and experienced by us every day and by those around us, right? So we would pray, again, in, in my words, drawing on the imagery of Scripture, God, you are the one true king. You are the ruler over everything that exists. But Lord, we ask that your kingdom, which is full of righteousness, peace, and joy, and love, and salvation, and goodness, would be made visible here on earth. That the kingdom of darkness, which holds sway all around us, where we live as exiles in this world, would be conquered by you, King Jesus that you would come and cause your kingdom to be made visible here. That's what we should pray. That's a pretty big thing to pray for, right? But that's what Jesus is telling us to pray. Pray these kind of big, bold, eternal prayers, he says. And finally, he gives us this third thing, this third petition, where he says that we should pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And again, I think this flows right out of the other two, that we would rightly see who God is, that we would rightly recognize and submit to him as king, and that would mean his will would be done. I love how Matthew Henry, the, the Puritan commentator, brings out part of the meaning of this passage, the, the fullness of what's being said here. It's, it's not just repeating the your kingdom come and people obey you and we have you know kind of this this complete complacency this perfect obedience thing it's praying he says that god's will would be done among us as it is in heaven and so he asked the question then well what is how is god's will done in heaven what does that look like and i love henry brings out three great things it means that his will would be done with perfect joy <laughs> right in heaven god's will is done without weariness without begrudging at all there's just joy in doing what God has said to do. It means that it would be done with perfect humility. So you and I, we, could, we wouldn't have that, that stain of pride or vanity like, man, I'm really good because I'm doing everything God said. You know, I didn't do this and I did do this. And, and you know, we kind of get puffed up. That's not there in heaven. Pray that this would happen with perfect humility and pray that it would come with perfect peace. Right? There's no discomfort and there's no second guessing in heaven about God's will. God says, Gabriel, go. Gabriel's like, eh, I don't know if that's the right approach. You know, I mean, just check the calendar. What about if we did it? You know, like he goes. He just obeys what God has said because he's confident. What God has said is right and good and perfect. And so I, I'm just going to go with the full assurance that this is going to be the best thing. And he's saying, pray like that. So put it, put it into our own words, our own prayers. God, cause your perfect and just and holy will to be done by all, to be done with joy and delight and willing hearts, just as it is in heaven. And then pray, Lord, make that true of me and my life first. This is how we pray for these type of things that Jesus is modeling for us. Again, the, the, the prayer for God's will to be done is what happens when his kingdom comes, and that's ultimately grounded in understanding and rightly hallowing, honoring, cherishing, loving him. So as we wrap up this morning, 
Here's the lesson from the Lord's Prayer that I want to challenge us with today. Because I think most of us are there on the second half. We're in the everyday. We're praying for the everyday. It's a great gift. Don't, don't pull back from that. Don't stop that. I'm saying add to that and begin to prioritize praying for the eternal. Prioritize praying for the eternal. So I know that we moved through the prayer out of order because I wanted to go from the bottom up and build back to this main point that he started with. But let's bring it all together. Jesus teaches us to pray for the, for the everyday and for the eternal, but he models putting the eternal first, and we should take that seriously. Jesus teaches us to pray like this. And lo, notice how he puts, it again, the start, the priority and the focus upon the eternal things. In Jesus' words, he says, your fa- Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a model for you that hopefully as you understand these parts of this model a little bit better today, we'll begin to challenge you to shape your prayers a little more intentionally. A great exercise that I would encourage each one of you to do, an exercise I did this week, would be to take this model of the Lord's Prayer, lay it out next to you. You can open up your Bible and look at it there. You can maybe put it, print it out on a sheet, however you want to do it. Take another sheet of paper, put it right in front of you, and write out in your own words your own prayer following the petitions, six petitions that Jesus lays out here. And you'll come up with your own words, and they'll sound very different than what Jesus said here, what he modeled for us here, and they'll sound different from how I have done it. But that's how I want us to close today, to give you an example, uh, a tangible illustration of what this would sound like. Let me close by praying along this line, following this model of the Lord's Prayer, and then challenge you this week to sit down and to craft your own prayer, hitting all of these points following this model that Jesus has given us. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Our Father in heaven, what a tremendous gift of grace it is to get to pray to you in that way. You are our Father, you see us, insignificant as we are, and yet you care for each of us. You love us, you delight in us, you hear our prayers, and every request, big or small. We have this intimate invitation to come to you as our Father, and what a gift it is to speak to you in this way. Yet God, as we approach you as our Father, we also want to be acutely aware that you are indeed the one enthroned in heaven. You are God supreme. You are the creator of all things. You are everlasting and unchanging and all wise and all powerful. And you, you are the sovereign ruler over all things. So in light of who you are and in light of how you invite us to come before you, before asking anything else, anything that may feel more personal and perhaps even more pressing in our lives today, we think of this model that the Lord Jesus has given us. And our first petition to you this morning is this, God, Help us to see you as you have revealed yourself. Help us, we pray, to honor you, to worship you, to treasure you above all else. Fix our eyes upon you that we would behold the majesty and the wonder and the greatness of who you are, O exalted one. We ask that your rule and your reign, the effects of your kingdom, would come here, now. Lord, conquer rebel hearts. Make sinful natures be changed. Grant that people around us could experience and live in the transforming power of your redemption and grace. And I pray, God, that it would begin with us. May our lives, may this church become a more clear and true reflection of the rule of the true king over us. 
May we be submissive and obedient to all that you have commanded us, O wise king. And Lord, help us to do your will. As we bow our hearts in light of who you are and in mindful of your perfections, Lord, help us to put to death our pride, to overcome our ignorance and not to follow after our own ways or to rely upon our own wisdom, but help us, Lord, to know and then to do your will. And we pray not just for us, Lord, but for all those around us as well. So, Lord, even as we pray for these great eternal things, we also thank you for the gift of being able to pray for the everyday concerns that we have, and there are many that we have. These things are small and they're temporal in light of what we have just asked, but, Lord, because you invite us to do so, we thank you for the meal that we're about to eat together even today. We ask that you would continue to provide for each of us every day the food we need, the clothing that we need, the shelter that we need. And may we know and may we rely upon you as our daily provider, God. We ask you to forgive us of our many sins and failures. All of us in this room are broken people who are not fully conformed to your image and your ways. And so together, Lord, in this moment, we admit our guilt, we admit our sinfulness, and we ask you to forgive us, not for our own sake, but because we trust in faith that Jesus Christ has paid our debt. And finally, great God, the one who is able to keep us from stumbling and falling, we ask for that grace in our own lives. Protect us from temptations. Lead us and guide us in the ways of truth and righteousness and keep us from the evil that is all around us and which our own hearts are so prone to pursue. We thank you for hearing us, our Father who is in heaven. May your word today go deep into our hearts and minds so that even the next time we bow our heads in prayer, we would have to be able to do so in a way that would be more fully embracing this great gift and ability that you have given us. We pray all these things, not because we are worthy to, but because of and in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.